This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Sort of never seen it. Like even going back to when Morris Fitzgerald almost single-handedly won that All-Ireland in 97 for Kerry. Not even sure Morris Fitz was as important to that Kerry team as David Clifford is to this Kerry team. He is quite simply phenomenal. Like he's just, you cannot stop him anymore. Hello and welcome to the Throwing Football Show. Well, what a weekend of All-Ireland semi-finals that was. The outcome is Dublin against Kerry in the final in two weeks. But the semi-finals were absolutely gripping, especially between Kerry and Derry on Sunday. Well, joining me to discuss the semi-finals are Dick Clerken and Conor McKeown. Dick, a lot of people, now not yourself when it came to Monaghan, believed these semi-finals were foregone conclusions. What we got were great contests, in particular the Kerry and Derry game yesterday. Yeah, especially yesterday. We'll come to Monaghan in a minute, but I had said it consistently that I could easily see an upset in that game. I thought Derry were just coming into it perfect in terms of under the radar, and you know Jack O'Connor would have had a big task in his hand, dampening expectations and whatever about maybe looking ahead, even if that wasn't surrounding the game. That you know Derry, you know, had the tools to 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 to, to match up and and really you know trouble Kerry and. They did, and you know it'll be a tough winter of, of 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 regret. In some ways, they might see it as an opportunity loss, but I, I think at the same time they'll recognise that God we're, we're very close, and you know for a team that has had such a sort of an accelerated upward trend, you know maybe they need another year or two just to really sort of you know hone their their style of play and that bit of experience, and even a lot of young lads there just getting getting miles into the leg for the Croke Park turf to see out a game like yesterday and add to their panel, but. Listen, huge, huge, huge credit to Derry. Um, and then obviously my own county list. And it, 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 I'm not so, so sure we'd be, it'd be fair to say it was an opportunity missed because Dublin were the better team and there's no question about that. But I think we can equally t- take huge confidence to, to build on that for next year not just thinking that it was a maybe a last hurrah for some of the older players because that's still a, a, a younger panel. And I mentioned today in the Indo column, the way you know players are able to play now into their well into their 30s and Form, there's no reason now that a lot of that panel can't stick together and try and add to it. So I think I think I think it was a good weekend overall. I think you got two really competitive semi-finals. Yeah, the tradition has got the final that they want, but the both teams that lost, they'll they'll take a lot out of it and and look forward to next year with with great anticipation. Oh yeah, it was a it was a cracking weekend, Connor. Let's just start 
So first with Kerry's 117 to 115 win over Derry, an incredible uh, semi-final. The atmosphere in Crow Park in those final five minutes of normal time was just incredible. Uh, Kerry on the ropes, uh, and it was those four minutes from the 65th to the 69th minute when they came from two points down, got the freeze, borderline maybe, they levelled, they pressed, they won the kickout, kickouts, and they went three points up. That was the winning of the game. Yeah, it was, but it was like also the winning of the games every time David Clifford touched the ball. I'm not not sure that I've ever seen a Kerry team, and you wouldn't say that they're so reliant, um, as though they've no other choice. It's just that the option of giving him the ball is so much better than giving anybody else the ball. I've, I've, I've sort of never seen it. Like even going back to when Morris Fitzgerald almost single-handedly won that All Ireland in '97 for Kerry. I'm not even sure Morris Fitz was as important to that Kerry team as David Clifford is to this Kerry team. He is. Quite simply phenomenal. Like, he's just, you cannot stop him anymore. Chrissy McCaig was touched tight on him yesterday. And I think Chris McCaig probably got the benefit of a couple of close refereeing decisions as well in the situation. And in the end, like, Clifford had four points from play. I think three of the frees that he kicked, he had won himself. Uh, he is absolutely incredible. Nobody has ever played the game that way. And I just think it's probably... Like the, the story of the game, and I think the story of this Kerry team is so intertwined in David Clifford. I think it'd be remiss not to start off on that. But no, to that point, it was a really interesting game. The parallels with the game the previous day were really, really interesting, I thought, as well, because what you had with Derry was when Oral Lynch took the ball out, when he was the last man back, when he, when he ran up the pitch, the difference between, uh, between the way Derry played it and the way Monon played it was that Rory Began wouldn't come any further. He, he he kind of played as the last man back, whereas Arne Lynch actually went up in, up the pitch. He wasn't the furthest man back. And that meant that eventually a Kerry player would have to come after man because both games were played very much man-to-man in those situations. So once a Kerry player came after man and you saw it with the opening point of the game, then all of a sudden there's a free man that slipped the pass and there he had loads of pace. Um, and they were able to penetrate Kerry in that situation. And I think that, you know, running at Kerry is the best way to do it. Um, the contrast with the game the previous night was that I think Monaghan were trying to invite the Dubs to press Rory Began. And in that situation, then they would have the runner. So that's why I think you had a situation where Dublin won the match by seven points, but Monaghan ended up with 60-something percent possession of the game. But I thought they were very, very similar games. But I suppose just to get back to the Derry-Kerry game, like I think Derry more or less had Kerry where they would have wanted them, you know. I mean, you're nearly writing off the eight points that Clifford's going to score in a game. But that key passage in the second half where Derry had three wides, maybe four wides after making really, really good chances, that's the thing that they'll regret. Because ultimately, you're not going to hold David Clifford. Ultimately, the Kerry press is going to come and you know it's going to be very good. But when you're three points ahead and you have three really good chances, Ethan Doherty had a chance Um Niall Toner had a chance. McFall um, had one as well. Kieran McFall had one that he skewed slightly wide at the near post. If you go back McKinnis to McKinnis' goal series, was the big one too, Connor, wasn't yeah, it? McKinnis goal chance. Save, like I thought Shane Ryan had a brilliant game in the Kerry goals. Yeah. But if you go back to Derry's best performances this year, the, re- the, the most impressive thing was their, shot, their shooting efficiency You know, against Tyrone. They scored all of those points. And in this sort of situation, they just missed them. And it's more evidence of, you know, the higher you go, the higher altitude you get, the, the air is just a little bit thinner. And I think that's where they'll regret it. Because had they taken a four or five point lead down the stretch, not to say Kerry wouldn't have brought it back. They absolutely could have. But I, but I think they never put as much distance between themselves and Kerry as maybe the balance of play uh, should have put them. Yeah, I mean, 
Derry were just awesome, uh, Dick. And as Connor mentioned, you know, their efficiency in the first half was, you know, stunning as well. And three point lead at halftime. They did everything right up until they didn't. Yeah. And and in some ways, yeah, you'd have regressed. But from a management point, you could hear it in Kieran Kier, Mina's excellent post match mm-hmm. interview. Like they, and, and it, that has been Derry's story for the last two years, you know, methodical, the plan and the organisation, the, the, how how all the players work, you know, almost in sync and the set plays, the matchups, they got so much right and delivered performance. And sometimes as a manager in our team, like my biggest regret, you know, as a player, there's so many of those big days that we didn't put in a performance or so whatever, but losing, if, if you don't put your performance in, like that's an awful long winter because you, know, you it's, it's a case of what if, you know, they know, their best performance is good enough now to win an All-Ireland. They didn't know that going into the weekend. They know that now. And they're still a very young panel. So they know their best is good enough to, to beat a Kerry. And if you're beating a Kerry at the minute, you're you're rightly up there as an All-Ireland contender. And, and it will be tough, but but maybe for some of those young Derry players, like they're still like, like young, what's the young fullback? He's 19. Like at this, to be able to perform at that level against the Kerry defence and, 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 you know, to to be within touch and distance, Northern Ireland. Fine. I think I think Derry sort of will reflect on that, and you have a wave of underage talent coming through. And I think their priority now is to to build on that panel because you could just sort of see that they were they were just gassed that the likes of McKinless, uh, Rogers, McKeague, You know, they were probably just asked to do too many jobs for too long, and then when Kerry were able to keep that pace up and add in a wee bit of pace. Like Sabraz and O'Brien, it just and and not, the Bonin game was very similar. As Connor said that just that little bit of extra pace and the important thing for subs coming in, it's no good having a name and having having medals. You have to have an impact. You have to add pace and energy to the game. And, and the benches in both games did that, and that probably was the difference in the end. And it just sort of stretched stretched the divide. Um, but listen, I think Derry when it settles down there, um, they'll be sort of coming strong again next year and with every right. Yeah, well, you mentioned there, Dick, that you thought uh, that Derry looked, um, ran out of gas. But Connor, I actually thought Kerry looked gone. I mean, they didn't score between the 48th and 66th minute. Um, there were some wild wides. Um, they, they, I thought they looked like they'd hit a wall and had run out of, run out of options. And, you know, obviously we know what happened then that they did manage to turn it around. But sitting there as a Kerry supporter in the Hogan stand, I thought this is gone. Yeah, and like I'm not like it. It did coincide also with the period of the game where they couldn't get the ball to Clifford. I know they don't want to sort of beat that drum uh, so incessantly, but it's I think a drum worth beating. Uh, like what, what, we're, what we're witnessing really is, is like like it's a phenomenon. You know, it's a like it's a Tiger Woods. It's a, it's a it's a it's a Michael Jordan thing. You know, somebody who was playing the game just at a different level. But there was a couple of balls that went in around that time that you, that you mentioned where Chrissy McKaig and they were kind of high balls and there was a bit of pressure on the kicker in. I think Chrissy McKaig was just behind Clifford um, and there were maybe the only two balls he didn't win and you're kind of looking at it. But the big the big change for me was Stephen O'Brien. Like, I mean, Stephen O'Brien made three turnovers in the first um, in the first six or seven minutes he was on the pitch. He won a free that was probably not a free, but he still got himself in a position to win it, and he kicked the point. That's a huge impact off the bench, a huge impact off the bench. you know. And on a day when you know, Paul Gainey, they didn't get much out of Paul Gainey, Adrian Spillane was gone by halftime. There were one or two others that would probably come under a bit of pressure for the final spot, I thought. O'Brien's performance was nearly one of those ones that you, you, you don't want to kind of, you know... It, in, in 10 years ago, you would have said that's a performance that gets you in the team for the final. Um, but the way things are now, he was so good off the bench at a time when Kerry absolutely, that's exactly what Kerry needed at that moment. You'd ne- you nearly wouldn't risk starting him because 
you know, like the All-Ireland final, is either team going to be out of sight with 20 minutes to go? Absolutely not. So, you know, that's when you want your Stephen O'Brien. But but to me, he was the kind of, he was the cajoling, the kick-starting, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the stimulus for Kerry because, like Clifford was always there. They were always going to get him the ball eventually. Um, but what they needed was something to kind of get them moving forward a small bit. And the energy that he showed, you know, just getting those blocks, the couple of turnovers that he forced early on in the second half. I thought he had a, you know, it was, a, it was sort of a, a test case in, in what you want from a wing forward. Yeah. And, and as a player, like, we <sighs> can correct me if I'm wrong here, but... Stephen O'Brien, as a player, was someone that you had sort of not forgotten about. We had sort of fallen a wee bit off the radar from where he where he made that big impact sort of five or six years ago. And I'm not sure did he play any part in the All Ireland final last year, but he was very much a bit part player. And you just thought, well, maybe you know, for someone who relies on his pace and always the other side of thirty, d- did he fall away and just wasn't able to get back to form? And next thing, bang, here he is, you know, as as good as he ever has been. And like that's a huge you know shot in the arm for Jack O'Connor because, as you said, you listed off those players. Connor, you just didn't get that performance of the needed something else, like whatever with Clifford, they weren't winning that game without Stephen O'Brien, you know, and that pace and something different and that energy. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a huge credit to whatever went on to get him up to that level with the strength and conditioning, whether it's from whatever it was, but it just shows you with all the resources and young talent through, it was bringing back a, a, now an older player with experience as Stephen O'Brien, you know, has, has, has been a massive addition for them. You know, and that point off the left boot. I think Jack O'Connor yeah. even said, What's he doing kicking it off the left? Yeah. Uh, but I actually agree with you, Connor. I actually think his role was so impactful yesterday that I don't think he should start against Dublin. <clears throat> I think he should be kept on the bench. But look, all I know, Connor, all you want to do is talk about Clifford. So I'm going to give you another few moments to talk about him again because he was sensational. Jack O'Connor said afterwards that he saw him doing stuff yesterday that he hadn't seen David Clifford do before in terms of even the way he defended, you know, it was into injury that time in injury time and he was back there in the defence cleaning up he was such a leader um, yesterday as well I, like he just continues to amaze and even the Derry supporters in front of us were just applauding you know some of his points uh, yesterday yeah like I was I was what, trying to watch it back last night when I went home and I was trying to figure out like what exactly did Christy McKeg do wrong and the answer is he didn't you know like there was there were a couple of points. The one where the pictures are going around this morning where Clifford's foot is kind of two foot over the top of his head. Like Incredible. If you, if you look at that moment, Chris McKeg's on his toe, you know, but like his, I mean, this kind of sounds like a very blunt way of analysing it, but his legs are so long that he can drop the ball down onto his foot and it's too far for the marker to actually travel to get down onto it. And the moment in the first half where he claimed that ball, the party Clifford played down the end line and he claimed it going down on his knees, he skidded and claimed it and he was sprung straight back up. So like what you're looking at is like at a fella who has like naturally athletic, you know, has the good genes, but married to that has this phenomenal level of skill, a brilliant instinct. I've never seen a Gaelic footballer use a bounce in such a creative way to buy space. Because he, he feigns to go forward and he looks like he's going to take a normal bounce. And it's almost like he checks it back to himself. And he creates this very, very tiny separation, you know, tiny separation. That's what cornerbacks are told all the time. Don't allow your man separation. And all Clifford needs is this tiny bit of separation. And he kicks the ball with no backlift. Like, you know, like he doesn't, he doesn't shape. You don't see the kick coming from miles away. Um, so it's impossible to mark. And I think there's, there's almost... In a really perverse way, there's almost a real freedom in that now for Dublin going into the final because 
they'll just put whoever on them that they're putting on them. Did they and double so, mark him, Connor, in the final? No, well, I was thinking about this this morning, and the problem there is one of the reasons I don't think Tyg Morley had a had as influential a game for Kerry yesterday as usual is because like Derry occupied all the Kerry backs. And if you look at the way the Dublin forward line has been shaping up this year, they've got more shooters in their forward line with the addition of Colly Basquel and uh, Carmo Costello and Conal Callahan and Paul Mann. They're all inside forwards. And I think the idea there is to make sure that all the Kerry backs have to mark. You know, like last year in the All-Ireland semi-final, when Ty Morley was, when Jason Foley was protected by Ty Morley and Dublin couldn't win a ball in there, the big problem there was that there was too much of a focal point of the Dublin attack. And I think Dublin want to have threats from everywhere. But the problem then is if you put two players on David Clifford, you allow Ty Morley to play as the sweeper and you allow him to stand wherever he wants. You don't get the influence where he stands. And I don't think Dublin will do that. Um, but I think, like, if you look at the second half last year at the semi-final, brilliant as Clifford was, I think Mick Fitzsimons and David Bourne both won a few balls off him, kind of standing off to the side, nearly inviting the ball in and then snapping. And I think they'll be brave that way. Like, those two players are probably, they're not physically a match, but they're, they're not bad, you know, when it comes to that. And I think if you can keep them to four points from play and a couple of frees conceded, I think you nearly write that into your, you know, your plan for the day. I think you just... You, you take whatever is going to come from that. And I think Dublin's big defensive, I think their defensive game plan will revolve around the pressure that they put on the ball. Like if Clifford gets the ball in his hand, it's over. It doesn't matter who's marking him. It, it, like that has been proven. The, the, the sample size is big enough now that we can say that this fella will absolutely score or get a shot away at the very least. But I think the way to stop him is, is you know, cutting off the oxygen. You know, you cut off the supply of ball, you put pressure around the middle, you make sure the ball that's coming in um, isn't on a plate front because if it is, you know, you, you may as well just stick up the white flag before he even before he puts his foot to the ball because he's just that good. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, we'll get more into the All Ireland final just at the end of the podcast. Let's just move on to Saturday or back to Saturday, Monaghan against Dublin. Uh, Dick, an hour into the game and the sides level and Monaghan asking those questions of Dublin, were you thinking that you are indeed the world's greatest oracle at that time? <laughs> to be honest with you, I know I. I I put a big case for Mon and I was extremely anxious and nervous going into the game. Like, and anyone that might have met me going into Croke Park would, would testify to that because whilst the scenario that played out was, was a scenario that I, I could see happening, the other was equally there as a potential in terms of 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 a Dublin got a fast start and Monaghan had to chase the game and, and maybe you know, Monaghan, a few key Monaghan players didn't turn up. It could have been an uncomfortable afternoon because I'm, I'm not naive enough to suggest that Monaghan are consistently at that level. So Monaghan had to bring a performance and, and limit Dublin's influence early on. And that's how it happened. Monaghan, by and large, really dictated the terms of engagement for, 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 for 60 minutes plus. Um, tactically, I think huge credit has to go to Vinny. Yes, it, it's not pleasing on the eye at times. And we've sort of become accustomed to that. And I struggled with Monaghan's style of play a few times earlier in the year. But I think the reality is, uh, you know, a, a manager has to put out his team to compete, you know, when you get to championship football and you have what you have. If, if, if they have to go back to the drawing board and try and bring, like Derry have done, they've recognised what they brought last year wasn't enough. Like Donegal done, in 2013, looking at the previous year, Mon and now have to do the same. They have to realise that effort is going to get you so far. But if you want to, you know, get all out and fines, you have to be bringing, you know, a wee bit more. You have to tilt the balance a wee bit more to keep the scoreboard going. And I think, you know, in that. 
period in the first half where they, they, they left a lot behind them. Like they they, they should have been going in a, in, a, in in front at half time. Like they dominated possession, had a couple of goal chances, like the Ryan McInnesby chance. I know it's hard to be critical, but if Dublin's in that situation, that's a goal every day. They just are thinking goal and, and doing what has to be done. And they are the small margins. Like if Monon had been a point or two ahead, which easily could have been going down the home stretch it's a different game they were just always probably just chasing that point and couldn't get ahead and that was a testament to Dublin like at the end of the day Dublin had to be at their best come the winning winning time as they call it to, to beat Monaghan you know they played at a maybe a you know a 7 out of 10 or you know an 8 out of 10 that wasn't getting the job done that wasn't getting them away they had to step up the Fentons the McCarthy's the Kilkenny's the Callens. they had to find something that they didn't have for a large part of that year and I think that's the, probably the, the most respect that you could pay to Monaghan that Dublin recognised you know we have to be at our best to beat you and they were and as I say that's a huge testament to Monaghan but equally a huge testament to Dublin because now they've further their reputation and, and that might sound a wee bit condescending but the reality is they had fallen away they had we had thought that that great team was, was breaking up and now they're back again and that's that's a huge sense of character. You could see it. I don't know if you've seen the reaction of, of Fenton and McCarthy and these guys at different scores. Like they were as pumped as you'll ever have seen them over the last 10 years. They know what it means. They know the opportunity they have, um, not just the individual records, but I feel if, if, if Dublin can win in All-Ireland after what has happened over the last two years against Kerry, It'll be the best All Ireland. Any of those players of that's 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 my take on it. And and again, they, they see that, and you can see that in their intent. Is Vinnie Corey sending Conor McManus flowers every day to make sure he is going nowhere next season? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Like I I still struggle to 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 see how he's playing. Like I got a I got a hip replacement in January, and my hips are probably in better nick than than Connor's, and he's he's doing that at at thirty five. But you know, I I think as and I I sort of reflected on it, like and and just named the three players and and, and Connor, Darren Hughes, and Carl O'Connell, and you know, and every any other county, these boys have, have retired a couple of years ago, but yet probably three of Monaghan's best players again at the weekend they'll probably be very close to all-star nominations Connor, depending on the way the final goes might even squeeze in for one if there's nobody else so he might just fall a bit short but that's not really where you, that, that's not the way to go out you know I so I retired when you weren't getting pulled from the bench and you, you you don't want to be hanging around and that's when most people should retire these boys you know still have an awful lot to give and uh, you know I think I think they'll reflect on that too you know they might have they might have been coming into the year thinking well I'll give what I can it mightn't be much because of work and kids and age but they probably even probably in surprise themselves. And that's probably a testament to how Vinny managed them. And I think I was talking to a few of the guys that were involved and said, like, they just manage very well, giving boys the space and oxygen to balance, you know, home life and work and 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 to mind the body. Um, and the reality is with the new structure as well, Sinead, and this is what is going to shape a lot of guys' opinions. Like Monaghan can be fairly sure that they're going to be in the All-Ireland series. They're well capable of getting out their group again and only a couple of steps away really from getting to that stage again. It's not like you have to go through maybe a long route through your province and qualifiers. And it, 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 There's a very strong possibility Monaghan's at minimum at a quarter final next year. And that's a huge carrot for, for these guys to, to, to want to stay on. So, you know, give them a few weeks, months, let them play their club football and, and see. But, you know, never say never. Yeah, it was nice. A kind of tussle between Mick Fitzsimons and... Uh, 
and Connor, wasn't it? And some of the defending, uh, Connor, in the first half by Mick, I mean, was incredible. And it'll be, you know, obviously very interesting to see if he is the guy, of course, that will go on uh, David Clifford in the final. But we saw uh, Dublin outscoring Monaghan uh, one five to a point in the last 15 minutes. And again, it was those familiar faces kind of standing up and doing it for Dublin. And of course, the impact of the bench then as well. Yeah, and that press that they got on the Monaghan kickout for that period right at the end, it was it was actually one of those moments when the kind of energy in, in the in the ground goes up, you know. It was it was it was unbearable, really, the pressure that they put on it and the free that Monaghan conceded in the corner when Dublin went hell bent after them. You could see Conor Callan calling the kind of artillery to come up. And I think somebody touched the ball on the ground and Paul Mannion actually scored the free. Um so you know, that's what Dublin do and that's what um, that's what Kerry can do. I, I don't think I, I I don't think people give Paul Mannion enough credit for the quality of that kick. Like you have to think where that was. That was way into the ground. It was a very blustery day, so it was in Croke Park. You know that obviously that the pressure that they put on to get the turnover. But that you talk about clutch scores, and he'd been well marshaled. He wasn't having a great day off the boot. Like that was that was a, a massive massive point. Whatever about the few points Fenton and that got, that was easily the most difficult of them all. And you know you you, you couple that with the turnover and the intensity, as you say, Connor, just the energy and it was it, those two players alone, the turnover and then the point, you could just sense it in the ground that there was a bit of a a, a sea change in, in momentum and the confidence just lifted and it was really a bit of a, you know, a shot in the solar plexus from Mullen because, you know, they felt you're coming away, you got turned over, which they hadn't done all day. They'd done so well getting the ball out and, and using Rory. So they'd done so well. So they, they got turned over. So that's a knockback they would have felt hard done by, by the call. So they're giving out about the referee in their heads. Even though you're trying not to, you're feeling, Jesus, the small margin, and then he nailed the point. So that was a real shift for me. And you could you could sense that, as you mentioned, Connor, in the ground. Yeah, and like I was surprised in the first half because the game was so sort of man-to-man. There was a few times that Dublin won the ball in midfield. And if you looked up, it was four-on-four four or five-on-five five in the modern half. Um, but you could tell by the movement of the Dublin forwards they weren't expecting the ball to be kicked in. So I'm not sure that Dublin necessarily expected um, that Monaghan were going to defend like that, that they were going to go so man-on-man. Because I think with the number of shooters that Dublin had on the pitch and, that, and the pace they have on their inside forward line, you know, they could have isolated any one of their... You know, like, but, like but they did, Connor. They did, Connor. Go back and watch the game. Like, and I, I have to say, and and, and it didn't get picked up. The, the quality of the one-to-one defending by the modern yeah. defenders the was that's a big thing because you never see tackling anymore. Exception. Like, teams don't tackle anymore because don't. it's all about putting pressure and and hurting a player. Yeah. And making them cut up and squeezing but actually the one-on-one tackling from the modern backs was exceptional it was night. and it, it was probably the single biggest thing that, that kept them as competitive because as you said Dublin were getting in like Dublin had the ball in the scoring zones like there was several times was it Mannion O'Callaghan Paddy Small they were sort of sizing their men up and you just were expecting them to, to dink inside drop the shoulder and you could see the modern players watching their side, knew they were all left-footed, ushering down. At one stage, I think one of the modern defenders was Kieran Duffy, I think it was. He sort of ushered Paul Mannion down on the hillside. He said, well, if you want to go in on the short side, go ahead, but I've got your left foot covered the whole way. And he didn't let Paul Mannion, who was looking to cut in, that was just really good technical defending. And it was it was, it was was a sign of boys who are, had done lots of preparation. They knew what they were marking and they just kept that discipline. And I thought that was sort of exceptional for Mullen. And, and as good as I've seen, like many times we've seen, be it Mayo or different 
teams, you know, just a bit of kamikaze defending or just throwing bodies in and then breaking through. Like really and truly, Monaghan never let that happen once. Um, at the, at, at the weekend, every score Dublin had got that they had to work really hard for. Okay, so if we're to look ahead to the um, All Ireland final, what would be the key points that uh, both teams would have picked up against their games over the weekend? Like Kerry looking at that Dublin performance, and obviously Dublin looking at the, what Derry did. Like, what are those things that they can take out of those games? Well, what struck me about the, the <laughs> what strikes about the two teams route to the final this year is that they've been identical. Like neither Dublin nor Kerry were going to shake a leg in the league this year because Kerry were All-Ireland champions. What's obvious now was that Dublin were playing the long game. I think like Dick says, with the round robin and with the fact that three teams were coming out of it, I think both Dublin and Kerry timed the run. Like the Dublin's performance against Roscommon, say in Crow Park when they drew, or Kerry's performance against Mayo that day in Killarney, those teams were not at it. They just absolutely were not at it. And they both produced the big glory performances in the quarterfinals against Mayo and Tyrone. And they both had to come through these games at the weekend, which gave them a good check. And I think they're both in a situation they would have been in. But as regards the style of the game, I don't think what happened yesterday or Saturday is particularly relevant. I think Dublin and, and Kerry have a game plan ready to go for each other. And they've been, they've been, they've been working on it for the last seven or eight months. Um, because one way or another... I think Dublin would have been fairly certain they were going to have to go through Kerry to win an All-Ireland this year. Um, and I'm sure if Jack O'Connor was being honest, he'd have thought the same thing. And, you know, the thing about this final is there is a sense with Clifford being so good and, and the Kerry team coming to their age peak as a group um, that they could get away now over the next five or six years and start to really rack up the All-Irelands. And there's also a sense that when the Dublin players leave the dress room, the day of the All-Ireland final. That's going to be the last time that they're all together as a bunch. You know, there's going to be huge churn from that Dublin team. It's exactly. very much a last How key is that, Connor? The fact that there will be guys there, it's the sense that it's the last year, there's guys there that'll be going for their ninth All-Ireland as well. So they really do um, have something there in front of them. Well, it's a different dynamic now. I think like, you know, I used to look at the Dublin players on the pitch and they were lifting their third or fourth All-Ireland in a row or whatever it was. And they were in the flushes of the youth and you knew they were going to be Back and they were still very much on their journey. And I think this was one last hurrah for a lot of these guys. Um, and I think it will be a last hurrah for a lot of these guys. So I think the dynamic is different. And you could see it on the faces of fellas like Brian Fenton, James McCarthy on Saturday night when they won. It was all about getting back to this point, you know. So uh, it's a huge one for them. It's a huge one for them. And there's a lot on the line, you know. Like Jack O'Connor has never done back-to-back. Obviously, one of his biggest, worst defeats was 2011. For the dubs, you know, I'm still not over it. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, it, it's true. Like if you did that group of players that were all born in the same year, the 2012 minor team, uh, Kieran Kenny, Brian Fenton, Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey, Dublin have never lost a championship match when all those players have been playing. Like, and that's that's an incredible record. And the whole thing with Clucks and coming back and everything else, <laughs> it's a shame we've only two weeks now to look forward <laughs> and talk about it because we, like, we get a month out of it easy enough. But maybe it's just as well because I think we drive ourselves nuts by the time the thing actually comes around. Yeah. And a lot of it has been said before, like going back to that period of dominance, like that sort of trio in the middle, Kilkenny, Fenton, McCarthy, like they were just a constant and they were so reliable 
in all the big games. And it was the fact that that probably had dipped a bit and you take out other players like 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 Mannion. But I, I thought that those three players like really, again, came to the fore when Dublin needed to be, I wouldn't say rescued, but need, Dublin needed that push because, you know, I've, I've said it consistently over the last couple of years, that the, the, the guys behind them, and even Colin Basquale, I said it last week, I said he had not enough done to be 100% sure he's at that level and it, and it, and it transpired. He, he just he didn't, didn't turn up. But to be fair to Cormac Costello, like I would have always had question marks. I thought he was sort of, Sort of hanging on to all the great guys he get coming dipping in. He stood up like he was exceptional. So he was, and 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 he he enjoyed himself as well against Kerry. He's one of the few Dublin forwards that performed last year against Kerry as well. So I think like the more I see Dublin, the more I was very impressed with him. But I'm I'm leaning towards Dublin now because I just think there's as you as you mentioned, Connor, that that dynamic that that. There's the psychological aspect of it. You know, they're coming hungry. It's almost as if they're coming for the first, not their ninth. Some of these guys, and like that, you, you can't, you can't put a put a value on that. Like that, that you either have that or you don't. And and they're bringing that, and you can see it. And it's it's not even just that big one push. They're just hungry to win again. They're just probably really sore about losing, um, and the way they lost, and all the controversy and different things. Lots of different stuff happened, and that couldn't have been nice for Dublin players and the Dublin management. And they're putting all that behind them, and think just think that's going to be enough to, to to drive them over the line. And of course, Khan missed uh, last year's right. semi-final as Khan, well. Yeah. So, and, you know, he, he, he'll he be in this one. But Dick, what about the fact that uh, Kerry have come through this tight game? I mean, you know, a few years ago, Kerry would have lost that game yesterday. Um, so what, you know, how will that stand to them? I know Jack O'Connor referenced that afterwards, but the fact that they've come through a tight game like this, like they've come through other tight games, what will that stand for them and their confidence going into this? Uh, massively. And even you can see whatever about David Clifford, like David Clifford, as we've seen in some games, he can do nothing without the ball. The ball has to come from the middle third. So if they're not winning, if they're not getting turnovers, they're not winning primary possession, there's very little he can do. And really, it took that sort of last three or four plays. Boy stepped up just old fashioned. I love to see it sometimes. The ball goes up when you see the guys that just want to go for it a bit more. And Jack Barry just got up at one stage and drove his fist through a ball and fired it back in and it fell to a carry player. But sometimes luck fortune is the brave in that, in that sense. And they just went at it with that bit of intent. You know, Jim O'Connor, I think, has been exceptional at midfield, really sort of stepped up a gear in terms of his leadership. One of the best midfielders going at the minute. Um, he'll, he'll give Brian Fenton and, and the boys plenty of trouble, so he will. So I think that that there's a bit of, not nastiness, but there was that sort of you know grit in Kerry's performance uh, on, to, to go with the flamboyance and the excellence of Clifford there was real sort of work ethic and you know Jack O'Connor I say as much as Clifford it's almost a given now at this stage but that sort of grit and work ethic as you mentioned Sinead, there's a lot of games Kerry were in those sort of situations over the last 10-15 years they lost and they got that out with that work ethic and they're going to need that again and, and hope that you know the, the foster man can, can deliver again because they're going to need it because I, I think Dublin will have enough so they're going to need I think like the All-Ireland final last year like the game against Derry on, on, on Sunday they're going to need another five-star performance from him Yeah Who are you edging towards Connor at this stage? Uh, <laughs> well I'll change my mind 20 times between now and Sunday week but Of like, course you will at least <laughs> Like I do think with Clifford like, I mean he scored 12 points you know and like you saw Sean O'Shea the last uh, like yesterday he he wasn't really at it in the first half. I know he set up the goal. In the second half, he came so strong towards the end. And I'm not sure Paddy Clifford will have to go quite as far out from goal to try and get involved in the play. 
Um, and I don't think Dublin have markers that are as good as Derry's markers as well. Um, but then I do think the Fenton and McCarthy, when they get on top um, in midfield, can really control the pulse of the game. Um, the bench, Connor, what like? Well, I don't think Kerry's bench is is, is as good as Dublin. That's what I'm bench saying. Now. Like the Dublin, no, is that where Dublin have the edge in the bench? Yeah, it, it could be. Now, I, I do expect Kerry and Kenny will start the final. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been a bit of a luxury, but they would have loved to have had a fresh Kieran Kikenny coming in. Um, but I still think you're going to have one of maybe Paddy Small, Colly Basquel, Paul Mannion, one of those players to kind of call on to come in. Jack McCaffrey's obviously not fit for 70 minutes, so he's going to come in and he's going to have something to say about the game. Um, but if you look at the Kerry bench, I still think Brian Bjorklok, like Brian Bjorklok is actually the one who could get into the team ahead of Paul Murphy just on the basis of, of how yesterday went. Begley tends to pair off against well he has paired off against Scully in the past so it's hard to know like he might be the sort of guy that they want to follow Kieran Kikenny around the pitch as opposed to Paul Murphy so um, like those matches would be absolutely key I haven't a clue who's going to mention it like I mean honestly like without trying to kick the touch I think anybody I would say God love anybody who tells you that they can predict who's going to win that game because oh, we're, we're going to ask the greatest oracle good <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, man <laughs> no I, I do I do I, I mean got stands to say in Dublin Bay one to three points so I'll, I'll have a wee look on the on the on the the betting shop. That's what I say. I think I think Dublin have enough. Not by any stretch. And again, of course I'm not, they will. Of course, gonna, like, like, like I didn't. I I would I wouldn't do when when I was tipping money. I'm certainly going to put the kids' uh, college fund on it. But uh, that's that's what I'm sort of leading towards at the minute, Connor. Yeah. Well, you finished that up just nicely. I'm ha- very happy for you to say that uh, Dublin are the favourites going into this <laughs> one. But <laughs> anyway, we'll have plenty of build up, of course, uh, in the next two weeks for that All Ireland final. But for now, Connor and Dick, thanks for joining me. Well, Eddie, John and guests will join Michael Verney on Thursday to look ahead to Sunday's All-Ireland Hurling Final. That's it. Thanks for listening. This is an Irish independent podcast.